1: It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons.
2: Welcome to the Seminole Rap Podcast. I told you we'd be back on Sunday. We managed to pull it together. All three of us, Brian Peller in here, your host, John Marchant, Max Scarpio, all three back together. Uh, I think it's our last one before the, I guess what, Christmas is next weekend, next Sunday. So we'll see, I guess, how we handle that. Schedule probably TBD on that still. I know the game, well, that's the important one, right? We're 11 days away as we record this on Sunday night from the game uh not sure if we'll get another one in as a preview pod we'll we'll have to see i'll be on the road i'm sure everyone will probably be on the road but we'll see how that works out um but yeah that's the big thing i think coming up in a couple of or i guess next week another big one this week is the bowl game or the bowl game national signing day um the early sign this is like the the signing day now right Mm -hmm. because we did some kind of funky business it used to be early signing day but yes so if you're like oh no it's not until February um you know there is one Wednesday uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, mostly leave it to the Florida State of Recruiting guys, so you can head on over there. But, hey, guys, good to see both of your faces. You too. Yeah, don't. I'm sitting here in the dark because I've got NFL red zone up in the corner. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying watching you complain about the Buccaneers. So if you're a Bucks fan listening to this, they are currently, uh, I think they've fumbled like the 40th time in the second half. But yeah. uh, taking it back to Florida State, uh, I was doing some research looking ahead to the bowl game and I, I don't find there being too much I mean we're into bowl season now I don't know which of the games you guys have watched so far um, there's not like I would say a ton to take away that I think is applicable but I, what I found so far is the teams that are kind of sticking together or doing better which I think if you're going to glean anything for what that might mean for Florida State it's kind of good news there right because they have so many They're they're kind of a unit not a lot of important players declaring or transferring or any of that sort of stuff um, for a team that I think already is kind of expected to I mean, in my eyes play pretty well so um, I, I haven't seen anything so far that really made me think oh wow look at that because you, you know you look at Florida got absolutely smashed and like half their players didn't play um, yeah I mean most of the guys
1: are coming back and playing for Florida State for that final game like Jamie Robinson Jared Verse you're gonna have J Trev there you're gonna have a lot of the guys that were producing throughout the season And that's not the case for Oklahoma. They're not going to have the running back. They're not going to have a star defensive lineman. So it's like you're going to see what just exactly what you said of the team that brings in the most players for that bowl game is set to win.
2: Yeah, that was pretty much what I was just just getting to. They had another D lineman. We talked last week. I think it was their their running back, Eric Gray, who had previously opted out for the draft. They have two offensive tackles. I think one of them was all uh, Big 12 who opted out. And uh, just this week, they had another D-lineman, Jalen Redman, opt out. He uh, played in all their games, four sacks, 10 tackles for loss, former five-star guy. Uh, so he is also out for the game. So it, it feels like FSU kind of with that, if you're looking for a preview, kind of that edge on bringing talent and uh, that their main producers back in a game that they already seem to be the better team in my eyes. Continuity, it's kind of important john i I know this one probably isn't your favorite topic of things but uh to to go to to go to my other side of this game uh while i was doing that same research i found uh brent venables talking about uh mike norvell and i like to call this these these quotes the um point to an example of myself to save my own job but uh (laughs) he, he said that uh you know pointing at norvell saying fsu has done it the right way the 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 Program uh, used patience and that Norvell has built a strong foundation. Let's see, I got the quote here from their uh, Sports Illustrated site. It's, boy, he's done it the right way. He's used transfers with the right guys when he saw a fit. He's developed guys through signing guys out of high school. And for the most part, he's had great continuity on his staff. He's had an opportunity to build through his vision of what he wants the program to look like. What a transformation that Mike and his staff have done. Anything you really care to th- say there in response to to Venable's thoughts on FSU? Anything interest you there?
0: Uh not a whole lot. I mean, this is always nice to hear, especially if you know if you're Norvell or a Florida State fan. I I think it's um <laughs> if I be if I could be cynical for a second, I could say that Venables is just setting expectations for his team in the bowl game. They are yeah. what, what eight eight point underdogs to Florida State. Uh, so like yeah, that, yeah, you you talk up Florida State how well? I mean, it's all true for sure. But you're Oklahoma. You're coming off a disappointing six and six uh, season in your first uh, year in Norman, right? And uh, it's I think it's setting expectations. I
1: have to agree with John there. You're just like if you compete with that team or if you even beat that team, then you, it just looks better after you just talked them up like that.
0: Right. But if you lose, like you're expected to do, then no, Hey, you know, we're building, they've done it the right way. We're going to try to copy that kind of, you know, if I were a cynical person, but I mean, I am, I'm just. <laughs> uh.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's why I said it, it, to me, it felt like uh job saving, right? Like, Hey guys, uh, just patience. See, look, they try. They almost fired him after a couple of bad years. Just, you know, I know we're this blue blood, but look, see, just give us some time. We can figure it out. It's all good. That that was more how I read it. But like you said, it's good to hear someone you competed against for all these years look back and be like, yeah, uh, that they're doing it right. And I do I do agree with it, whether or not I think it's actually the right thing i don't know but yeah i mean i i definitely don't agree i definitely can't find anything uh disagreeable with it obviously part of that is having a nice facility and a nice setup and that was one of the new things from this weekend uh florida state breaking ground their new facility long time coming obviously still a little ways off um i think it's what 18 months to like two years before it's supposed to be finished but uh much needed very much needed right
0: Absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, it, it'll transform. Not well. I don't know about transforming the program, but it'll help revolutionize the program, bringing into more modern standards, along the likes of uh, hopefully you know Ohio State, and Georgia. I, I, again, that that gap between the conferences is widening, widening even faster than than it was before. That's really a long term concern there. But it's it's fantastic, right? This is part of the reason why Jimbo Fisher wanted to leave Florida State in the first place because you know he he felt like the administration was uh, waffling on stuff like this, was taking too long, didn't want to spend the money, and here we are. I mean, it's going to happen. So uh, while Jimbo Fisher has a you know very disappointing season, had <laughs> to sneak that in there. But anyway, Max, what do you think about it?
1: What do you, I want to ask you guys? What you think it means the the football facility? What you think it means for for the team in terms of development what you mean like recruiting the coaching staff like just the, the football program because obviously they're they're buying in straight towards alfred and just buying it straight towards the football program they're not they're not i mean basc- basketball was a priority maybe for the last four years but that's out the window now they're mm-hmm. going all in what do you think that means
2: for
0: them brian you want to take it first
2: you mean like using the like only opening a facility for football yeah um I mean, I think each sport's going to need their own. Uh, I think that's just kind of where you're at. I, I can't imagine there being much in terms of a cross space. I mean, football just being such a large team comparatively to any other team you'll have on campus, men's or women's for that matter, it, it, it's pretty much going to need its own space. I mean... I was listening the other day, um, Michael Jr. was talking about when Brian Kelly first took over at Notre Dame. And he was talking about how, you know, when you come in, uh, like Brian Kelly came in and, and they had a down year, but he was like, it was a great year because we got like Brian Kelly came in and, and aligned everything. Like our study was aligned better. The times we ate were better. We got better training space, more time to relax. And um, I think if they have that dedicated space that gives them You know, they don't have to be like, well, volleyball practices at two, then men's basketball is at three. So you will take the weight room at four, or we've got to be out at four. If you have your own space to just do it on your own schedule, your own time, I think it makes a big difference. And I mean, if you look at Deion Sanders taking over at Colorado, the first thing he kind of bragged about was how great their locker room is. It just seems like that's the thing is how great your locker room is, how great your facility is. I mean, I, I I understand like the need for other programs to get theirs, but I mean, in college, in college athletics, it just feels like football eats and everyone else gets to take parts of it because that everything else isn't really a revenue sport per se. I mean, I think university by university, you know, maybe baseball makes money, maybe basketball, maybe women's basketball makes money. But more often than not, it's football and everyone else just goes off the profits from there.
0: Um. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. My My, I guess, bottom line here is to answer your question, Max, is... I coach, the college football is an arms race, right? It's always been, it's been that way for a very long time now. Nothing's changed, but at arms races, it just, it's never stopped. Uh, you always need the latest, greatest space facility. You, you know, uh, you the locker room chairs have to be rocket ships and have 30, you know, uh, 300 inch L you know, LED TVs embedded in them. And also, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think it's one component I think it helps more on the margins to a lot of what Brian was talking about, you know, the organization, uh, time management, things like that, all those things matter right if you're trying to compete at the highest level, a football only facility like this that costs 100 to 200 million dollars is it's a necessary but perhaps not uh, sufficient component to putting together a national title winning program in today's day and age. Uh, That's my opinion, right? So you have to have the coaching, you have to have the player development, you have to have all this stuff, obviously football only facility, uh, especially if it's a high end football only facility uh, helps that right. You you have to have one, uh, but it doesn't, it won't do all the work for you obviously. Um, And so yeah, Florida state needs it. Although again, if you look at, as you zoom out and you continue to zoom out on this picture, to the conference level or even the, the sport, you know, league level, it's, it's, I still am afraid or not afraid, uh, extremely concerned that Florida state will fall behind. Right. If, if the ACC is bringing in 40, $45 million a year for their uh, TV contracts per school and the big 10 and the ACC are going to start bringing in a hundred million dollars each per school. How, Bigger, better are Georgia and Ohio states, or even Mississippi states' facilities going to be in 20 years than Florida State's, right? So Florida State has the commitment, uh, but not the money is not there to the same extent that is as or that it will be for other programs. So I worry about that in the long term uh, quite a bit. But for now, it's fantastic. It'll keep Florida State there and fresh. It'll attract recruits. Uh, it's up to Mike Norvell and his staff to do the rest.
1: I guess maybe it buys them time to that, like, 2026 window when they can look through other, like, the SEC or the Big Ten and and they Mm -hmm. can just keep modernizing or whatever they can right now. But I wanted to see what you guys think of what that means towards the trust of Norville and his staff. Because, I mean, I don't know how much they've been talking about it before, but that has to be a conversation between the president and Norville of this is what I'm going to give you right now and, like, you have to produce from now moving over.
0: Yeah, I I think this whole thing was in motion for a long time now, even maybe dating back to before Norvell, but you're 100% right. I mean, it is a commitment to the football program that Norvell currently leads. And if it really does for your program what you think it's going to do, right, you can't afford to squander that opportunity. So yeah, I mean, it is. I'm sure Mike Norvell knows too. It's a lot riding on him, right? Uh, over the next couple of years, you have to continue to rebuild. You can't just have one year and then go back down to like, you know, six or seven win seasons and kind of plateaued, you know, at that level, you have to keep going. And so, yeah, I mean, there's an incredible opportunity here. I know, like Brian said, it'll take two years for it to finish, but there's an incredible opportunity to continue this rebuild up to the national championship caliber type of program and uh, I'm sure Mike Norvell is aware. I mean, again, these next four years are going to be incredibly crucial. He, he's shown progress, right. But how he finishes that in the next four years will determine his legacy at Florida state.
2: Yeah. And it's important, right. Where, uh, like you said, John, it, it's probably been in the works since pre Norvell and it's just been an opportunity for someone to write the biggest check and, and who was going to be the one to, to fund that. And I should probably have the family name in front of me who who seems to be the one who funded it, but Um, you know, I, I think having the success you had this year probably helped springboard that I'm sure there was probably commitments beforehand and, and the, at least direction of the program. And, um, you know, sometimes it does take the coach to be the one who has that conversation with whoever the fundraising family is going to be, uh, where they say, yeah, we love this guy. He talked us into it. Here's our check. Here's all the money that we need. I I think John's point's a great one is keeping up long-term. Uh, I mean, you see like the story of, of Nick Saban when they win the national championship after, uh, was it 2009 or 11 or something? And, um, he, uh, he's on the plane on the way home from the national championship and he's scribbling down notes. And it's like, what are you writing down? And he's like, these are all the things I want added to the facility. Like Alabama was at the mountaintop, accomplished it all national champs and the, on the flight home, so they've been sitting there writing down ways to upgrade their facilities and continue going above and beyond. And I mean, that's what it takes. You just, yes, you can build the best facility tomorrow. And by Friday, it could be maybe the 15th, 20th best facility in the country. You just got to constantly be dumping money into it to win this arms race. Now, whether or not that's really necessary, I don't know. How much does it, does does it really pay out if if you offered a kid 10 million and I offered a kid 11 million but you had a better if you had a slip and slide in your facility and I didn't does that really make a difference I don't know I mean yep
0: depends on the perspective you're looking at it from it if it's society i would say <laughs> is any of this really necessary but if you're looking at it from the school's perspective right i, I remember having this conversation on twitter a long time ago i think i think bud elliott uh kind of was involved in it too it was years ago was that nick saban there's some outrage that he was going to get paid you know nine million dollars a year he's the first coach to make that now every coach apparently is made, uh, making nine million dollars a year but the point though is that nine million a year for nick saban it, it was a bargain right? He's yeah. bringing in hundreds and hundreds of millions and millions of dollars a year to the school, uh, in part because uh, applications and attendance at the school skyrockets, right? So the tuition, you know, obviously rising rates there. So schools bring in so much money, and it's driven by the football program. Uh, people want to be a part of stuff that's fun and exciting. So just like this year at Florida State, you know, uh, their little resurgence that they've had, so far i'm sure that's going to bring increased attention applications to florida state it's just the way it goes so uh you know you could argue if mike nerbell i can't remember what he's getting paid off the top of my head uh especially if they put together a 10 win season next year uh, you could argue that he might be on the verge of getting underpaid right we're almost kind of expecting him to sign a contract extension for a little bit of bump so uh, you're exactly right brian it's just yeah it's how it's how it goes
2: yeah it looks like um Looks like Norvell's at two. That can't be right. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. And I tried to quick Google it and pull it up. And I'm not going to get the number wrong. So I'll just wait until I actually find the real number. Uh, But yeah, and I didn't mean like like, there's like you can't, like it's unnecessary to put money into facilities. I fully believe that Florida State absolutely at this point has to build a brand new, very nice state-of-the-art facility to compete it's just like you know yeah when you get to a certain level like clemson slide is always one that comes up like do you need a slide you know that the extra uh, exorbitant amount of money like alabama's got like that like waterfall water fountain wall in it like uh, that they have to like walk through it looks like a like a spa in hawaii or something it's just you know the -the over-the-top stuff but you absolutely have to get to a baseline level for a football facility to compete and uh, you know, again, it's great that Florida State's made it to that point. Have you both finished looking at how much Norvell makes? I see you it both. This went- year, per
1: Bleacher Report, Norvell's original contact in 2019 was 26.5 million
2: over six years. So, like four or something? Four? Yeah, he
0: was, make- and he gave up. I forgot too. He gave up money because of COVID. Uh, so, like, I think this year's contract, year three, he was originally supposed to make just over four million, and instead, he gave a lot of that away. He only made three million this year. I know, but you got guys like uh uh Mark Stoops at Kentucky is signing extensions for you know making him something like nine million dollars a year. So uh and that, again that's concerning. You're you're looking at um yeah, he's now set to make Mark Stoops is gonna make 8.6 million dollars per year. Yeah, so you're getting bottom tier Big Ten and SEC coaches, and Mark Stoops is a good coach. So I want to say he's a bottom tier coach, but Kentucky's not one of the top jobs in the SEC, is my point, and you're getting you know, bottom half jobs in the big 10, the SEC are making 9 million a year and Norvell's making four. I'm sure he's going to get a bump, but that's, yeah, that's only going to get worse. That gap disparity.
2: Yeah. I mean, and, and, uh, I think, was it, um, Lane Kiffin signed for nine. I think Hugh Freeze is around six to 7 million at Auburn, which unbelievable with all that, 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 7 million is somehow what he commanded i think smart and saving are both over 10 um i think brian kelly's at nine i think it's nine and a half and he gets five hundred thousand if they make a bowl game so basically 10 you know it just it seems like basically (laughs) if you're coaching the sec you're at you're somewhere between like nine eight and a half to ten and your point is norvell's only making three so that's another expense you are gonna have to start paying in the future to compete if the if your value for your TV contracts doesn't go up, it's, it's it becomes a, a numbers game. It says, right, like, here,
1: it says here according to the Orlando Sentinel, he made 2- three point seven eight five in twenty twenty-one and four point zero three four in twenty
0: twenty-two. Right. So he's actually gonna make less next year, in 2023, at 2.7 uh million. And then in years five and six, if he makes it there, 2024, 2025, he'll make four point seven eight five million dollars. And then in year seven, 20, 2026. Norvell's supposed to make $6.785 million. Yeah, And by right. then, we're going to see these same kind of coaches and make it. Was the yeah. 2026 with the extension from last year? Yeah. Right. But I do – I mean, again, I do expect him to get another one. It could even revise some of these numbers that we're talking about from 23, 24, 25, and 26. So I, I don't expect Norvell to make under five going forward, but we will have to see if and when that extension comes through where, where it takes him.
2: Yeah and, and and look if you were someone whose eyes just glazed over at all the numbers and math and things the point is you know to John's point if we're only as Florida state bringing in you know a four, say 40 million a year from our TV contract and, and Big 10 and SEC schools are bringing in 100 and you're having to put a bunch of money to keep the arms race going in the football facilities and you're having to pay the coach probably double what you're paying him now you eventually start having to find the money to then you know compete in like is NIL is technically other people's money technically <laughs>
0: well the other the other two is i mean florida state does make uh, more money than almost every other school in the conference on their own right? right i know i know clemson does extremely well for themselves i think north carolina does also uh but florida state is what i mean they're still box office knolls right they they bring eyeballs so and a lot of them so like again to max's point uh they will be one of the bigger fish besides notre dame you could argue the florida state is the biggest fish left in, in realignment get uh, a 2026 20, when that comes up or even sooner you might be two years away and Florida State can can then sue to get out of it uh, or 30 20, I'm sorry so uh, I, don't, I don't I think Florida State is okay I just you know worry worry long term hopefully they can get out of it soon but they're not they're not doing bad I think Max's point was a really really good one that the football facility helps bridge the gap until you can get to a point where you can sue to get out of the grant of rights uh, deal so I think FSU is okay. It's just uh, we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah, and and then to the to the larger point, it is a the It's a real. All the way back to where we were. The facility is big, period. Like right. you, you have to have it. Period. Stop. Hard stop. Numbers wise, any of it, you you simply have to have it. Um, anything else in the facility before I make my wonderful transition here, and the people at home can applaud as how wonderful it is. Speaking uh, of bringing in players, go ahead.
0: I hope it doesn't have a slide.
2: <laughs> that's well, all we'll slide right into the transfer portal <laughs> oh yeah you like that yeah. uh they, so they did land two guys this week i believe just to this week this since our last episode I, i've been trying to keep track uh both tight ends south carolina tight end jaheem is that our is that jaheem bell yeah not yeah, i believe Jaheim, that's correct yeah and uh kyle Morlock, a, a d2 guy um I'm not sitting here expecting either one of you to be the Florida state of recruiting guys on this one and, and break down tape of what each of them can do. Uh, just generally though, but you you see the focus for Florida state to go out and get a play, get playmakers at tight end, uh, which I think we can all agree was, was kind of an absent spot this year. You kind of saw some production there towards the end of the year, but uh, definitely not what they could use. Max, I, I see so you kind of were nodding pretty vigorously pretty quickly.
1: I mean, it's just what we've seen every single offseason. We talked about it throughout the season of Norval's obviously going to hit the portal. The coaching staff is obviously going to try to fix the weaknesses, which they've done every single time with, with the receiving room, with the offensive line room. And then they do it right again, right when this swim starts with Jayne Bell and Kyle Morlock. I saw Jaheen Bell. I saw some of his highlights. He, he played running back. He played tight end. He played receiver at South Carolina. He was incredible at all of them really fast for his height I think he's 6'3 right now and he's just going to be a weapon I don't I don't think he's that vertical piece like Johnny Wilson I think that's more of a Kyle Morlock guy but this guy can move around the field anywhere he wants and it's just it's just another time where Norvo goes in and does exact gets exactly what he needs to keep building in his offense
0: um yeah, I agree with that. I think Bell's a massive addition. He, I think he'll uh, do a great deal to raise the floor of the tight end room. Which I mean, Cam McDonald wasn't a bad player, uh, but behind him, you know, you have a couple of walk-ons. I thought Preston Daniels did had a very good career so far for for a walk-on, um, but you definitely need a talent. I am. I kind of tweeted this out the other week. I was a little surprised at how long it took Mike Norvell to flip the tight end room, right? Bring in some, some kind of really interesting guys who could do some some cool things in in his offense. But here we are, right? It, it finally happened. Uh, Mike. I know we wrote about Tom Ognation about this over the last couple of years. But Mike Norvell, I, if there was one position he really did stuff with at Memphis, it was the tight end position. Um, he he always finds the skill guys who uh, you know whether running backs or tight ends. He I mean running backs or or wide receivers. He likes to move them around things like that. Uh, he always obviously loves to move offensive linemen, pull gaps, all that kind of stuff. But he did some really really cool, fun, interesting things with tight ends, and we haven't really seen that a whole lot at Florida State because he hasn't had guys who can who can really do that. So I'm extremely excited about Bell. Um, and and Morlock, like his size is enormous. If you get guys as blockers, he could start even playing more with caps, uh, and and really attacking defenses out on the edge and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I'm I'm really excited. It's almost crazy because this offense we expect to come back as a top ten offense, right? And then you add in Bell and Morlock, and what we hope or you know think that these guys are going to be capable of—that's ridiculous. I mean, you might you I mean we could be looking at something that's an absolutely absurd kind of offense uh, in 2023 I'm real excited
2: yeah and and I've been waiting for the I guess tight end evolution to reach college football I feel like in in the NFL if you need a play it's always the tight end it's like a hard play action the guy leaks out the opposite side just making linebackers cover and I feel like the, the there are a handful in college football but nothing big but I feel like even more so in college football, if you're making linebackers cover, you're doing you're putting an on a ridiculous amount of stress on a defense. And when you've got a guy as big as say Johnny Wilson on the outside, if you have another big body over the middle, just good luck. And to your point, if if they can be great blockers and help you set the edge and and do more edge rushing as well, even better. You know, I, I think it just continues to add options. And you know, you you look at these teams that that have good tight ends. If you've got a guy, I mean, I feel like Alabama's had Latu forever. And the guy finished the game, these these Bama games, with like four catches for like 38 yards, but all of them are like third and six, eight-yard button hooks, and you just can't do anything about it because he's gigantic. And that's all you need. If you just have one another guy in the middle that makes a linebacker cover, great.
1: Great. Yeah, when Normal came in, I heard earlier in the years that those two positions would be the running back and the tight end room. I, I talked a lot that – that the tight end room was that he can really just change that up. We haven't seen that. I think that he's the one, or maybe the coaching staff is the one that recruited Jordan Wilson. So maybe they thought that that was an answer or that was a piece they can use that obviously didn't work too well for them. So I, I think uh, these players are more, you can move them around the field, they're more versatile on the field and, and that that's two different options at tight end that you have right now.
0: Yeah. Right. Think- so, Go ahead. Sorry. So you're, I mean, yeah, you're looking at Jane Bell, you're looking at Kyle Morlock, but but I don't want to forget about Marquesa Douglas who kind of came on towards the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, I know he's a bigger guy. He's kind of like a, a tweeter between offensive tackle and tight end, uh, but you've got tons and tons of size, right? So what I'm talking about you, I mean, imagine it for a second, right? You could have uh, Morlock, right? Or even Marquesa Douglas lined up in line on the offensive, you know, on the line of scrimmage and they could have a, the other guy lined up as an H-back. You could swing them both out right maybe even have johnny wilson to that side of the field but all three of them could block and you could run a screen or again you could fake the screen and have one of them like morlock run down the seam or something so again the possibilities are endless mike norvell showed those options with tight ends a versatile guys were endless at memphis and i've been waiting for it the whole time and we finally have it and you have it in an offense that's already projected to be top 10 it's it's just it's just it's ridiculous it's dumb it, it's fantastic and I'm happy so I'm <laughs> I'm really looking for I, I it's hard to sit here and describe all the kinds of things I know or I believe that Norvell will how he'll use these guys in both the run and the and the past game so we can't sit here forever all night and talk about it, although I feel like I could uh, I just I I'm excited for it because I feel like I know what's going to happen and it's going to be just amazing
2: Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't have expected tight end talk in late December to get John this excited, but we've done it. We found some. We found the topic. It's tight end end talk. After two years, it really did it.
0: Yeah,
1: I just think you really you really look at this offense and like, what are they missing? You have you have a guy like Micah, you have a guy like Johnny, you have a a Trey Benson who's a run. Like, what are you missing? I mean, that's what I'm thinking.
0: I'd only say offensive line, but our probably going to take a tackle spot. He played extremely well this year when, when he stepped in. So uh, I don't know, man. I I don't know. Well, we talked about this before we came on. And and so
2: before I out myself as a buffoon here, uh, Dylan is gone, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe a leader on the O-line. If with Dylan gone, depend, you know, I mean, obviously there's nothing more important for offensive line play than consistency, um, so you know, I, I don't know how much I mean, obviously, I think the hardest thing to break down in, in football conversations like this is O-line play. So I don't know how important losing a guy like that could be. Uh, I, but I think to John's point, they have talent. Yeah, right?
1: and I think that's why they're going out there and getting like because like Casey Roddick, who came from Colorado, who came on a visit to Florida State. He was a, a team captain at Colorado. I mean, it is Colorado, but he was a team captain there and he was kind of a representative for that team. So they're bringing in those older guys to, to mesh with that offensive line.
2: Yeah, and even if they don't, even even if they don't start, which I imagine if they're bringing in, likely he's going to compete for a starting job. But a guy who was a team captain who can just come in and help set the table. This is how offensive linemen do what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to lead this way. if a, you know if the quarterback takes a hit, we got to go in and step up for him, pick him up. Those just little offensive lineman things um you know even having another another guy like that is is great and that adds to that we talk about different ways they're adding talent to this team right whether it's transfer portal which is where they found most of the success and they need to recruit guys which we'll get to in a second uh, for signing day and having transfers in to be evil even if so like for this one we know armella is a talented guy and we know they brought in other young guys to be talented guys to step up if they don't have the experienced guys with them to be around and say, you know, I'm getting Dylan Gibbons and I'm going to play next to you. And they can bring in guys to be like, look, here's how we're going to do it. Then great. You're, you're, you're finding the ways to add experience, you know, maybe without being the all like an all a future, all pro hall of fame center.
1: Yeah. I think that's something that just doesn't worry me, even if it was before, like the weaknesses, the weakness of that offensive line and you don't have Dylan or you don't have Dimitri or even Justin Alex Atkins just, he's kind of like the comfort piece there. And you you know, he's going to be able to recruit, you know, he's going to be able to develop guys like Armella. So we know that there's going to be something on that offensive line. We just don't know what names are going to be on that back.
2: Yeah. I mean, my fee- my only fear is with the mo- rotating parts. Like for instance, this year, the opener for LSU and Florida state, right? So LSU rolls out their offensive line, which is a bunch of transfer guys and and mix and matched freshmen sort of thing. And Florida state basically ate them up that first game. And as the year went along, LSU ended up putting two different guys in and got much better. So I think, you know, there could be that at the beginning of the year, you would look at the offensive line and be like, oh, what's going on? Maybe by game two, three, they figure out the right mix or whatever. But it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I think eventually they've got the talent. I can't imagine it's a glaring weakness. But if you're going to pick a concern, it'd be that. And then um, as long as the receiving core doesn't do whatever they did, kind of towards the end of the year, where they decided just decided to not catch the ball for like the last couple of games. They look more like the beginning of the season receiving core that, as opposed yeah. to the late season receiving core. But yeah, I mean, I, I you've got the pieces and it, and it all really is the quarterback. If you have the quarterback, you can you can, you know, put lipstick on the rest of it and call it a day. I
1: guess that's why they're bringing in those offensive linemen early in the transfer portal, too, because it's it's important for them to have like that that connection with Trav and that connection with like the team. So you want to have them in early in the spring to be able to practice with the team and be able to kind of embed them into your whatever scheme you're going to run.
2: Yeah, cadences, the 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 how many steps you need to take to get around the center on a pulling guard or, you know, all those little things, all so, so many tiny little intricate details that happen on the offensive line that none of us really understand how to talk about unless you have probably played offensive line. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about talent coming in, and I know John, you've been. In, you, I feel like the thing that I hear come out of your mouth more often than anything is upping the blue chip percentage. Uh, they get a chance to do that again this week. Signing day is on Wednesday, National Signing Day. Uh, currently, their class is 17th in the country. Certainly, um, some room to to go up there. Obviously, at 17, but not not the worst class in the country. Uh, looking at 247's composite rankings, one five star. I scrolled away like an idiot, seven, four stars and eight, three stars. Uh, Max, I don't only don't really turn to you here. I feel like you're the one who's always in the DMs of these guys. Uh, a- anybody you're looking for, people should be looking for. I don't expect you to be the Florida State of recruiting guy and, and you know, tell me here's the hidden gem you think's going to blow up. But just uh, names keep an eye on and, and otherwise we'll push people to them for more details on that.
1: I think names to keep an eye on for that haven't committed yet are Edwin Joseph, who visited early on. He has a, a nice relationship with Hiking Williams. Hiking Williams wants him wants him to come to Florida State. He played Df, DB for Chaminade. That's a player that they really want. Uh, Christopher Otto. I expect him to go to the to go to Florida State. I expect him to commit to Florida State. Not a highly ranked player. I think he's a three star offensive lineman from Key West. I'm almost positive, but that's a player that's been connected with them for months now and then a guy that a lot of people are going to want it's not it doesn't look good right now is Damari Brown who is a defensive back his brother visited as well Devontae Brown from UCF Alabama and Miami are connected with him those are two big time programs money wise and just other things I don't know if you can compete with right now and that's Nick Saban, and I know he went down to Miami, and then Nick Saban visited him in his high school. I'm not sure if anyone can look Nick Saban in the face and say, in your high school, and say, I don't want to go over there. So that that's a a player that that's going to be a tough one to get. But those two, Edwin and, and Christopher, I think Florida State's in a good position for them.
2: John, I I don't I know recruiting's not your uh, your cup of tea. Anything you feel like you'd like to add?
0: Um. Yeah, it's it's not my thing. I don't know really any of these kids. I will say uh I hope again, same thing, blue chip percentage that I, I always just hound on. Uh, I wanted to see Florida State finish in the top with a top 10 class at minimum. Um who knows how how well they'll do with their right. I think these relationships take years and oh FSU only just now had a good season. So you, you may see more more benefit from this season next next class. Uh, but you lost a lot of transfers out of the you know defensive linemen um and then the two guys who are highly re- recruited the back end uh sam mccall and demori Tate are both entered in the portal so i you know you need some talent right um everywhere obviously but uh the secondary and the in defensive interior i'd like to see them get a couple studs but we'll see right again all i'm looking for is more than 50 blue chip uh 55 would be fantastic and then i'd be happy um So we'll see. And and if look, if they don't hit the goal, then I think we really have to start having serious conversations about Novell replacing staff members. Right. Getting guys who who can recruit because you're the goal from now on. Right. Is to compete for the ACC title, which means beating Clemson. Right. Everything for them still goes through Clemson. And you're not going to do that if you don't. You know, if you still have a 15 percent blue chip talent disparity. So uh, they got to do better. Well, let's just hope that this signing
2: day maybe is a little more quiet than last year's was, right? I think last year's was a little unexpected uh, noisemaker. We don't
1: want to be in the national media on this one.
2: Yeah, you know, let's just let this <laughs> signing day go through. Speaking of which, did you guys see Travis Hunter's touchdown catch for the Celebration Bowl tied at the end? Woo! Totally oh, unrelated yeah. to what we are just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I, can't, I mean, yeah. it was a great catch. I mean, that's yeah. worth it. Mean, He's first-round
0: potential if he stays as a receiver.
2: Oh, he's transferring to Colorado. He's transferring to Colorado with Dion, which makes sense.
0: Which was obviously I mean, the plan all along. So, just why Colorado though? I don't understand. Why is Dion going there? It's I the second worst job in the Power Five. Vanderbilt is that the first one? No, I think Kansas is the worst. No. Kansas, okay. And the fact that Kansas did better this year, you could then argue that maybe Colorado is the worst job in the Colorado's. Power Five. So I just, it's one thing to recruit Division one talent to uh, at HBCU, but how well is he going to recruit to Colorado? I, I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out.
1: I mean, sadly, we've already, oh, sadly for me, I guess, we've already seen some of those things fall his way, like a like a four star running back who decommits from Notre Dame and then goes to Colorado.
0: I mean, he's exciting. So we'll or see. Or like a
1: couple of blue chip receivers who cancel their, their visits to AM or Bama and go <laughs> to Colorado.
2: Yeah, it's weird, right? And I think it's a lot of just Dion being a cult of personality, attracting, attracting talent. You know, guys just recognizing their dads are like, man, that's Dion, that's Prime, that Coach Prime is calling. We're going, like, uh, t- we're going to see Coach Prime.
0: As long as he doesn't steal recruits from Florida State, he can he's do whatever all, he, he wants.
2: He's, he's all <laughs> the way over
1: there. Yeah, I think that's that's the best for us. He's all the way over there, they're not they're they're not clashing right now.
0: As he long as he doesn't
1: have to be at USF and Tampa and and start talking to all those players right now, so that's I'd better. be
0: more concerned but, if he took a D one job somewhere in the south. Yes. Well,
2: as long as as long as he doesn't just go to for it to just be petty. There's the opportunity to just constantly just be petty. If he wants the Florida State job, <laughs> to just to just go petty and be like, I'm just going to take all of Norvell's recruits. Which I mean, obviously, there's no sign of that outside of Travis Hunter. Which you know is a pretty good big glaring red light sign on that. But, um, you know, as long as he doesn't go for that, you're right. It's probably better <laughs> that he's way out of the way in Colorado and can just fight for national players with our uh, Bama and Georgia and Ohio state and and leave Norvell's little four stars alone. Damn it.
0: Or his Uber super six stars. Those two.
2: <laughs> uh, we're not still of,
0: bitter about it. Definitely not.
2: No, very much not. the, the Boy, that was a day. What a day that was. What a time. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it, because it was, I I believe I've never heard Juan more crushed in my entire life. Just, it was wonderful. It was a year ago. Go ahead and revisit it. I don't know. I'll have to pull up the date, but boy, what a time. Uh, Anything else for you guys that stood out over the last few weeks? That's pretty much all I had written down in terms of stuff I really felt the need to talk about. Max, I'll ask again. Basketball? (laughs) i'm Should've waiting, seen the for, look at I'm waiting
1: for, for january 11th that's when baba comes back so i'm marking the days for that one
2: well let me ask you this i guess here's a good way for this so the season is going poorly yes poorly seems like a fair word yeah okay uh yeah well yeah i just wanted to make sure he didn't want to go more egregious than poorly <laughs> but we'll leave it at poorly uh to make the tournament they got to, to win the acc tournament i believe so okay So there you go. So you just bring him back in January and hope he's all world and can carry you through the (laughs) ACC tournament.
0: That's it. All world. That's it, huh? Well, I mean,
2: that's
0: it. All I universe.
2: You don't have to. I guess in theory, if he comes in and is just, you know, all ACC talent, then yeah. I mean, that's in basketball. That could be enough to carry you to an ACC title if you get hot for a week. But yeah, I mean, if you if you sunk yourself into this kind of hole already, it's kind of not exactly an easy kill to climb back out of.
1: I think he's Ooh. I think he's very good and I think he is going to make an immediate impact, but they're they're just they just keep digging and keep digging and it's it's too big now
0: well uh, the women's basketball team they just dropped a tough one yeah. to Yukon right but they're still a good team I think they're what 11 and two I want to say it was yeah and, they only uh, lost by
2: eight, I think right it was a close one
0: in, yeah, in Connecticut number nine Yukon yeah didn't uh, FSU's track and field team just have someone win like their version of the Heisman Trey Cunningham. Yeah, Cunningham. Yeah, that guy's he's absurd.
2: I want to play a game. I'm gonna to try to look it up real quick while I while I stall here. So yeah, the, the,
0: the, Bauer, the Bowerman winner. The what? The Bowerman? The Bowerman? Second
2: field in the country.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Here is yeah.
2: here's the game that I wanted to play. And Max, if you already know the answer, I don't want you to guess it. I'm gonna have John go first, then I'll let you guess it. Uh John, what do you believe out of scrolling to get to the bottom Um, 363 teams is florida state basketball's rpi
0: rpi huh yeah what do you think their
2: rpi is out of 363 where do you think they rank
0: so before i answer this question i just want to let you guys know i i have not read anything about florida state's rpi this year or their schedule or whatever yeah, that's so the this fun is, part.
2: Yep, I wanted you to guess. I, I figured that Max would be more plugged in. This is a straight guess. Yep.
0: <laughs> right, one hundred percent shot in the dark here. Out of three hundred sixty-three, I will put Florida State as. Wait, wait. Can I can I ask what the record is? Don't have to tell me who they played. Just want to know nope. the straight
2: record. No. Nope? Yeah, it's three three and ten.
0: Three and ten. Uh, it does not change my prediction. I will go with. Don't hate me. <clears throat> three hundred.
2: Okay, Max, you take your guess.
0: I think that's a good guess. Is it? What is it? Really, like one hundred and eighty? I'll say three hundred, though.
2: It is two sixty-seven.
0: Holy smokes!
2: Yeah, it's uh, you're you're sitting around uh, New Hampshire, Fresno State, Northeastern, NC Central's ahead of you, Radford, Central Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, to Max's point, it's and they're actually up fifteen from last week. They must have just won. Oh my gosh!
0: Uh, So, if there was a three hundred team tournament, if they be in, then right? Well, Did the right the right college
2: basketball is going, there might be a 300-team tournament. So. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, I, I guess last week's loss to St. John actually moved them up 15 spots. That makes oh.
1: a lot of sense. <laughs> uh,
2: well, I mean, it's like baseball, right? Because I remember that in college baseball where, like, towards the end of the year, a lot of teams, like, like even the slightest sign of rain on their midweek games are like, it's canceled. Because even, the, even if you go and beat, like, Stetson by 40, because Stetson's, like, RPI number 280, it doesn't really matter. It just makes your strength to schedule worse, so you look worse. So, if it's so much as lightnings in the southeastern region of the U.S., you're just like cancel to save your RPI. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even just playing a good team bumps you up. But so, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much bas- men's basketball is going to have to win. Like, there's, there's just it's win the SEC, win the ACC tournament at this point. Otherwise, it doesn't really do anything for you. But yes, to your point, women's basketball is doing very, very well. So good for them. Close loss. Almost uh, there, I, I feel like they won't need to win the uh, ACC tournament to make yeah. the NCAA tournament there.
1: I, w- I wanted to tell you more about basketball, but it's just I'm still – I still don't know what's going on
0: at that program.
1: <laughs> I, I, I still I couldn't tell you. I still don't know why there's a player that gets injured every two and a half minutes. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it could just be bad luck. And then, I mean, when, when they were rolling, right, he just had all those guys left early, all of them. Whether it was to were to play in Europe, every single nearly every single guy, they all, all well, could have come back, but they all left. Well, they were on a stretch with Patrick Williams, with Devin Vassell, with a couple of
1: players like that, where they were a very good team. And that's because they had a lot of veterans. That's because they had a lot of like leaders who messed well with each other. Right. They had players like a Balsa Kobrovitz who wasn't supposed to leave, who was supposed to stay there, and that kind of left you in the dust. And then they had a top 10 class in the 2021 class, which is Jalen Worley, Matthew Cleveland, Naheem McLeod, that class was supposed to be way better than it is right now. So it's just a couple of things are just biting you right now.
0: Right. So, yeah, I mean, you lose that kind of that, that culture, guys learning from the older guys, you know, when yeah. they come in, maybe like, yeah, to your point, then um, the recruiting class didn't quite live up to expectations. And then injuries, right? And then stupid NCAA suspension. So- NCAA, yeah. Right, it just kind of snowballed on Leonard Hamilton, I think, all at once. I don't think anything changed about how well he coaches. I think he did also lose an assistant coach too, right? So it's just – again, I feel like it was a snowball that just kind of all piled onto the season. I think,
1: yeah, I mean, he lost CY. I think he lost – that That was a, a more of a recruiting guy in the system. I don't think – just like you said, I don't think anyone anything's changing with his coaching per se, but I think it's getting – some of it's getting past him he doesn't really know how to recruit in the transfer portal. When it was COVID, he didn't recruit very well because he, he wasn't going to events. He wasn't doing these different things. He leaned on those players staying for three to four years. That's not going to happen anymore from what it seems like. Basa, I mean, Baba's not supposed to do that. A couple players aren't supposed to do that anymore. So it's just the kind of, How can I say it? His his scheme or his plan just doesn't fit anymore.
0: That's an interesting take. I guess we'll find out. I hadn't I did not considered any of that, so I'm kind of
2: blown away. Well, Max is Max is our basketball guy, and I think last week I just posed him Max basketball, and he just went. And then I just (laughs) and then I just I just closed it right there. I was like, that was it. So I figured we let him elaborate, and yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see how things go. I mean, to Max's point, though, I mean. Yeah, college basketball is much different than it was five years ago. I mean, I, I,
1: I can be completely wrong, and I hope Leonard Hamilton proves me wrong and wins 20-something games but well, next year. But it's just, I think it's it's getting outdated to where they they don't know how to do these different things that other programs are doing so well.
0: I mean, I don't. I think they should still build a statue of Hamilton after he leaves. I I don't think it changes anything like about his legacy. But I, it's an interesting take because I mean, you might be one hundred percent right. You know, and it was a legitimate concern we had about football coaches who may not be able to, you know, survive in this new kind of era where the game is just very, very different. Um, so I mean, you know, we'll. I guess we'll see.
2: Was that our second Jimbo Fisher dig in the podcast? <laughs>
0: i thought i could slip it in
2: yeah well i, I came in i mean the guy's got a, a cheesecake factory menu for playbook so i mean you know on the sideline now uh, talk about
0: someone who's bleeding transfers
2: <laughs> <AM's>. <laughs> yeah i think what is it 20 something guys in the portal
0: Say something yeah and yeah. blue chip guys
2: yeah lots of blue chip guys so uh Before we venture way too far off, I'll go ahead and let you guys have the rest of your day, your morning, your afternoon, whenever you end up listening to this. Uh, Appreciate you guys tuning in, tuning in as always. So uh, until next week, again, scheduled TBD. I doubt we'll have a Sunday slash Monday episode for you. John's got a
0: finger up. One last thing. Sorry, we always have to give a game prediction for Oklahoma, the bowl game.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. I think Florida State wins by like 40. 40 I mean I'm not even kidding I think I think Oklahoma is terrible and I believe Florida State's putting their real football team on the field to play a real football game and I think Oklahoma is going to be there to accept cheese it swag and a backpack and be excited that they got to play in a bowl game and even that I'm not even really sure they're doing that I mean you're missing your starting running back who is your best offensive player besides I guess Mims but Mims is kind of up and down and then you lose both your tackles and one of your main defensive linemen who's like one of your best defensive players. I Oklahoma is not Oklahoma of the season and the Oklahoma of the season wasn't very good. Max is going to go less confident than me. I see this. He's going to be less confident than I am.
1: I mean, I'm, I would not say 40 for a lot of things, but I think they win by 18. I think I'll go with 18. I don't know what it's going to be right now. I think maybe like 41 to, I can have a score for you right now.
0: I have to wait. I I uh, have the same as Max. I have eighteen. I was going to go thirty-eight twenty. So I'm with you, Brian. I think they cover the eight point or 7.5, whatever it is. I'll yeah. go thirty-eight twenty. I'm thinking like forty-five seven, like forty-one seven. Like I'm really
2: like I've been like, look, are you serious? I've been, I've been watch, yeah, so serious? I've been watching these bowl games, right? And like the teams who show up and actually care, or like a like Oregon State in Florida was a perfect example. Oregon State was on the field with their roster. It was a team. And Florida was like, well, we've still got our offensive line, but here's our like backup quarterback and like two four string receivers. And I don't think they had like like they kicked the field goal with like eight seconds left, so they didn't get shut out. <laughs> That's like right. it was a, it was an embarrassing football. I was like, this isn't a football game. I don't know. This is just a reason to put something on TV. Like I was watching, was it Louisville and the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, whichever the first one was, Louisville and whoever it was. It was like two backups. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Neither team had their starting quarterback. Cincinnati went to like three different quarterbacks. It was just like, what is this? What's the point you of this?
1: You don't think they can do anything with Dylan Gabriel?
2: I mean, I don't think Dylan Gabriel's done much of anything this year that makes me think Dylan Gabriel is just going to come out and light up the scoreboard on Florida State <laughs> without either one of his tackles. I just don't buy it. I mean, if if versus is going to play, if Fabian's going to play, I mean, you know, if, if if Florida State's going to play like Florida State and Oklahoma is going to show up without either of their tackles or their running back, who's like I said, probably their most consistent offensive player. I well, just don't, I don't see them doing anything.
0: That's my thing is sometimes with a month off, sometimes offenses don't show up. That's my only concern that I could give Oklahoma a chance, but I, with this team, with this culture that they had this year, from what we saw, I don't expect that to happen. Uh, to your point, I think Florida State goes out and just rolls over and gets up early. And then they sit the guys and let the young kids play. Right. Cause didn't they answer like grant a waiver right to young kids. So it doesn't count towards, you know, burning their red shirt. So yeah. If force say goes up 21 to 3 earlier or something, maybe it doesn't like it. doesn't matter. I mean, you you want to see Force State get 10 wins, but I uh, think get some young kids. I think it might be something
1: like that Miami game where they go into it. It's a little shaky that they're not completely like connected in the offense and it just just like a turnover happens, or just something. I I don't think a turnover happens, but just something happens to where it's a three and out, and then they just have like a, a touchdown like that Ontario Wilson one, and then the, the ball's rolling and it doesn't oh stick. yeah.
2: Yeah. You I could mean, be that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I just don't, I just picture like Florida state just continues to get the ball back quickly over and over again, because Oklahoma struggles to move it without their running. Look, the first drive, they might go right down the field and score a touchdown. That wouldn't terribly surprise me because it's football and you can sit there and plan out your first drive and everyone knows what it's going to be. And it works out great. Uh, but I'm just imagining they're going to run into a brick wall at some point where they're just going to be punting. It's going to be three and outs a lot. It's going to be turnovers a lot. And you know, if Florida state's going to line up and hand the ball to Trayshawn and then Toa Feely and, uh, Trey and it's just bang, bang, bang. It's like, what are you going to do? I, 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 I mean, Kansas ran all over them. I mean, I, I just imagine Florida State's going to do much of the same. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I get to be the homer. How about that? There you go. Uh, yeah. How exciting. Um, well, all right. Yeah. So there you go. There's our pregame bowl coverage. That's what you needed to know. So I will say <laughs> no episode for for the uh, for the Christmas weekend. We'll catch you with a postgame episode. Uh, probably i guess that maybe that tuesday after new year's i think we'll probably do monday into tuesday so look for our next one maybe january 2nd i'm gonna see if i can maybe tape something for you guys this week as just a, maybe an interview or something we could just publish next monday um, who knows i'll see if we can find someone interesting to sit down with us and just talk for a couple of minutes uh, until then man i appreciate everyone jumping in and listening both of you guys happy holidays happy new year and i'll see you in 2023 i guess
0: yeah same to you guys man take care have a good safe happy happy time yeah. great
1: talking to you guys and happy holidays
0: yeah a nice quiet
2: signing day is all we want to, to wrap up 2022 a nice quiet top 10 signing day <laughs> yeah <laughs> later guys that's a wrap all right <laughs> see you i didn't mean it a little actual vibe, but <laughs> <laughs>
0: later max